You're listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine. We would like to thank you for listening and would like to encourage you to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes and to follow our Facebook page, Two Sons of Tatooine, for all our future updates. I am one of your hosts, Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro, and I am joined as always by my co-host and good friend, Jonathan Cohn. But that's not all. We're thrilled today to have one of our favorite guests here. Welcome to the podcast, Trent. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Or, oh, thanks for welcoming me back. I'm in. Oh, man. We have had so many requests by ourselves to have you back. Oh, it's, it's great, sir. Um, so thrilled to have you. Um, on this episode, we're going full spoilers in our review of Obi-Wan Kenobi Part 3, directed again by Deborah Chow. In this episode, the role of Darth Vader was portrayed by Johnny Depp, and the innocent townspeople who were force choked were all play- portrayed by Amber Heard. Uh, That's good to see they're getting to work again, you know? The, yeah. Um, This show is getting a ton of press right now Good and bad And now that we've seen half of the series Believe it or not We're starting to uh, recognize the tone The pacing and the type of story This show is trying to tell Uh, So Trent, as our guest I'll throw it your way first Uh, What have been your overall impressions So far about the show? Uh, yeah, so I've been looking forward to this this period of time for Kenobi for a while, just learning more about it, especially live action with McGregor. Like it's just mm-hmm. just the, the anguish of Obi Wan and thinking about his failures, and or you know, weighing on that burden probably more so than uh, is due to him. Uh, mm. And it, I remember speculating with a buddy of mine, like I just want to see him in a cave talking to uh, Anakin Skywalker, you know, like and and kind of going crazy. And so we're kind of seeing some of that, and, and I'm really <laughs> enjoying that overall. Uh, there's definitely things you can complain about with any piece of Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, but I overall am enjoying this whole experience, one, two, and the most recent episode, three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, as far as, like, in your expectations, and like I said, we've kind of learned after basically seeing half the series, you know, the tone and the pacing and the type of story that this is trying to be. So we know that... You know, as far as pacing goes, it's taken its time to be really slow as far as a few things like showing the repetition within just Obi-Wan's drudgerous yeah. work life and right. the normalcy that he's adapted to. Just the the <laughs> the normal life of a, I guess, just a meat butcher, you know. But in terms of like this type of story, I still haven't figured out if it's trying to be a redemption story for Obi-Wan in terms of getting his faith back or is this trying to just you know set up a lot of stuff about Leia which it it is you know is trying to do both or is this uh, more of a story about the Inquisitors Mm -hmm. and Reva in particular right so do you which of those do you feel like this you know is being set up or is it some of all of them I think it's a little bit of all of them just because it's you know, there's a there's the worry of like, is this going to be just an old dude in the desert again? Like it's boring, and we just got that with Book of Boba Fett. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we need something need something new. Uh, the drudgery <laughs> of Obi Wan kind of falling out of the cycle. There was a moment in the first episode or second episode 
where he punches one of the spice guards. Right. And he looks at his hands and he just goes, ow. <laughs> like, that, that's great. There's this esteemed general of the Clone Wars is now fighting mm-hmm. spice dealers and spice guards and, like, getting his hands hurt because he hasn't punched anything in probably forever. Wasn't but. that a, um, uh, from Dathomir, a... Uh, Zabrak. Uh, Darth Maul species? A Zabrak, yeah. So the Zabrak, I thought he was because he hit the horn when oh, he punched he him. Did. He right. hit one of the horns and he scratched and bled his right. hand. Yeah. And and yeah. Oh, I didn't catch what he And, and that's why he was bleeding all over the floor, you know, when he uh, walks in the room and they make a big point about that and then he says everyone but bleeds. It makes, yeah, it makes sense your way too because, yeah, he's, it's meant to show he's definitely not himself. Oh, yeah, right. he's just an old, brittle man. And, but I still enjoyed that and <clears> I just enjoyed that aspect. And then the latest part, like, I know you guys have already talked about this, but the child actor actress is just the Disney princess. Is, uh, she is phenomenal. She's like just I'm blown away by her acting ability. Uh, and I do think there's going to be a redemption arc for Obi Wan here, um, and we can get more into that with because there's there's some implications of the dialogue in New Hope with some things that happen in this episode. So. <laughs> mm. Jonathan, have you? Uh, I actually just thought of this. Um, but do you see any kind of like comparisons between the first Incredibles movie with Mr. Incredible <laughs> right. and what Obi-Wan's going through right now? Right, yeah, where, where Mr. <laughs> Incredible has that, uh, that montage of he has to go against the, the machine and he's just weak and he, he only beats it by ingenuity, not by brute force. Plus, plus there's the he's trying to like... He's trying to help people, but then he gets yelled at by his boss right. because he tells them, you know. Right. <laughs> and so, or he's he's trying to find the balance, but it's so, like, repetitive in his boring work life. And he's like this superhero who, look how far he's fallen. Um, that's just, in, in terms of tone, uh, it seems like a really obvious kind of comparison there. But yeah. I didn't know if anybody else had, had observed that one. No. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that makes sense. <clears throat> Yeah. Well, when we talk about this third episode, yeah. we've actually progressed in both more ways and fewer ways than I thought we would have by the middle of the series. Right. You know, I felt like episode two was paced beautifully. Um, and we didn't waste any more time. We haven't been back to Tatooine. Every, yes. every episode Woo. we've had, we've, <laughs> we've had different settings. Exactly. This episode takes place on Mapuzo which is a mining type of world. There seems to be farming, farming as well. Tull, T-A-W-L, that's the name of the vi- village that apparently they are from. Obi-Wan knows a little bit about this. I guess that's just l- remnants of his knowledge before. But the planet itself looks very like uh, kind of western right. hills and slopes and not, much, not too much vegetation, but like, you know, western Texas type of thing. It has the to, to me. it has the desert aspect that makes it easy to shoot in the volume, but it also has a uniqueness that we've never seen before. Such as it had there's a lot of terraforming in the background. Um, there's much, it's much more of a, a darker brown dirt than it is the light sand. Um, mm. uh, it's more dirt based than sand based in that respect. Also, there is a little bit more green. The co- the, the buildings have more colors. Um, uh, you know, the speeders have more colors. So by nature, they're able to keep the same elements that make it visually appealing, like having long horizons, you know, so that they can have an easy volume 
design, but at the same time, it doesn't feel stale. Like this episode doesn't feel like, oh man, we're back on a Tatooine like planet, a desert planet. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like we're on a dirt planet, on a mining planet. So I like that. It's familiar though. Does it? Is it too familiar? Like to to you, Trent? Did you feel like, ah? Uh. No, not not really. I think I read some criticisms online about people that live in California because they live near valleys that look right. like that, and they're like, "This mm-hmm. looks like my backyard." So I'm sure to some it's familiar. <laughs> uh, but no, and and uh, in, in the realm of Star Wars, it's it did kind of remind me a little bit of the planet we see in the Mandalorian, right? With, with uh, Grogu mm-hmm. doing the uh, where he reached out and like it's probably where Luke uh, felt him, but it kind of reminded me of mm-hmm. that a little bit. But not, I mean, not really. Uh, and there's only so many biomes you can, you can right. really yeah. do. So. And we did get a... Like, Alderaan was a really <clears throat> unique alien, like, not Earth-like at all. Like, you could tell that was total CGI. So yep. we have gotten that in but this series. the forest, series. though... The forest, the forest maybe. very... Yeah, very typical. Maybe, but, but I'm saying like like with the buildings and with the water and with like the the, the establishing shots. Oh yeah, you could yeah. tell it it was a very alien type, uh, you know, not Earth based design. And so we are getting, and then of course the um the the planet from the last one was a very different design as well. So at least we do feel different. It's not like Book of Boba Fett where we keep we were on Tatooine the whole time, or Mandalorian where we kept going back to Tatooine. So there, there. I think in that respect, this show has the best variety of any show we've gotten. Hmm. Well, I, I enjoyed it, but I feel like there's something about seeing Vader and stormtroopers, etc., in different levels of environment, like ones that, like the Death Star, super recognizable, right. but so different from what we've seen, and then a more kind of familiar visual environment here, and so that struck a lot of people as a certain way. Um, in terms of the positive and the negative feedback, I keep just wondering and asking myself, like, do I love this show? Do I really like this show? Like, where do I fall on this? Are you guys having that same kind of question? Are you, or are you just like, oh, I love everything about it? I know Jonathan probably loves everything about it it's, more so. But I'd say highly I, entertaining. Like, it's not my favorite mm-hmm. show, I don't think. I don't think it's overtaken Mandalorian. But no, I... I enjoy it more than Book of Boba Fett, uh, which I did enjoy that too. So yeah. I think it's still highly entertaining. I mean, I think it's better than some other movies we've gotten. So I'm I'm enjoying it, but it's not a favorite. That's where I am. Yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 go ahead. Sorry. Same question. No. Yeah. So I, I I would agree with that. Like it, it's definitely entertaining. I don't know where I would rank it in terms of just uh, on the scale of mediums yet. When I first saw the episode, this was kind of conflicting. When I first saw it, there were parts that I loved, and there were parts that I hated. Mm-hmm. And the more I thought about it, and the more I kind of I was reading other critiques of it and people's rebuttals to those critiques, I was like, you know what? I actually do like this show. I don't know why I'm like struggling with that, but I, I think it's okay. And I, and I'm I'm going to like because there's this like struggle. I guess I guess I'm going to choose the light side. <laughs> you know what? I'm okay with this. Mm. Like, and I'm also kind of hoping, you know hopeless romantic i hope that certain things happen in the future and how it all ties into a new hope <laughs> right um so yeah I, th- I think i like it yeah well trent i was going into this wanting to see a character type of story you yeah. know something that was going to involve the mental thought process of survivor's guilt and kenobi dealing with 
one, the revelation, which we didn't know if he knew, but now we do know he didn't, now he does, about Anakin and Bane. Right. Now that, now that whole, you know, the guilt is even multiplied because, one, Vader specifically says, you should have killed me when you had the chance. And so he's, he's got a, like a, a state of emotion or turmoil. I think he already, like Jonathan, you alluded to this feeling that Kenobi is blaming himself yep. more so than he should. Mm-hmm. Like the fault of the Jedi or the fall of the Jedi, it wasn't him, him alone. He just happens to be one of only a few who survived that we know of. And clearly, his responsibility for eight Vader, you know, that multiplies things a great deal because now that is actively hunting down and the, his subordinates, right? You know, the friends of his that he, you know, that are still out there are being hunted down. So, those type of things, if you're going to put a character in a character like a <clears throat> some kind of thing where he can talk through his issues, he needs somebody to talk through them with, and that person's not Leia. The majority of scenes we've gotten have been Obi Wan and Leia, right? And I loved them at first. I I loved the scenes with you know him and uh, Bale. I loved the scenes with him and Owen, mm-hmm. tons. But the past couple of episodes, it's been mainly him and Leia, right? And I want I want to see mainly Qui Gon. That's what I really want to see him because that's the one person he can open up to for for something where he can really just be himself and just lay it out on the table. It's like you're holding your breath. Like Obi-Wan's constantly holding his breath. He's const- he's tensing up for a gut punch that he doesn't know when it's coming, but he feels like he can't truly let go, be himself, whatever. He can't even truly relax. He's always looking over his shoulder. Is that, is that the feeling you get, Jonathan? Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. There is a scene that needs to happen, and I will say it has a parallel to Deathly Hallows Part 2 for Harry Potter. In that movie... Mm. Towards the end, he is going to meet his death, and he ends up having a conversation with all of the people close to him that have died, including his parents, including Sirius, including um, other people that have died recently. And there was this conversation Mm -hmm. where, in that movie, he's essentially talking to Force Ghosts, and they basically help him, lead him on the road to accepting his fate. Obi-Wan needs that, but opposite. He needs to have the conversation where he's at He's at his lowest, he's given up, he talks with Qui-Gon, and then Qui-Gon, rather than sending Obi-Wan to his death, sends him to his life and convinces him to keep fighting uh, or, 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 or convinces him to, to rejoin the fight or something. And I do think that that's likely. I'm now more than... Originally, I thought we were going to get uh, Qui-Gon in, chap- in part six in the end. I'm now wondering if we'll get him in part five instead. Um, and that'll be the impetus for Obi-Wan to, reef, to, to, to fight Vader again in part six. So I, I agree... And- we need the Qui-Gon scene to happen, although I still am loving the Leia stuff. Uh, we do need the Qui-Gon scene to happen. And they've now alluded... It's kind of like the Rancor. They've alluded to it so much. We have to see Qui-Gon. If they don't, it's 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 a huge disappointment. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. low-hanging fruit. Trent, we've got this, like, almost... With the Book of Boba Fett, it's a, it's a habit... Uh, it's almost starting to develop, I feel like, of getting too much into the finale. And... What Jonathan just said kind of alludes to that. Like, do you agree with him that it would be way better to have Qui-Gon appear before so that we can process, so that Obi-Wan can kind of deal with those things, and then he can get back to himself? Yeah, I totally agree with that, because especially with uh, 
this being the third episode, and spoiler alert, if you're not already spoiled, the, there's the, the Vader fight, <clears throat> and it's like, when I went into the show, I was like, okay, if they're going to do a Vader fight, they're probably going to do it at the very end. But they did it in the third episode, and there's a reason why that, there's a, there's a weight to it, and there's a reaction that you didn't expect, or at least I didn't right off the bat, and it shows this, uh, it sets up this opportunity for growth, and when it re- I'm imagining another fight, kind of like you guys were alluding to there, there's this return to form at the end of the show, and it all kind of leads into something, but if you did all of that in the last episode, it would feel way too much, and then it would be pretty thin, mm-hmm. the first five episodes. So I would, I would love that. I would love a... Qu- uh, not, sorry, <laughs> get ahead of myself. Get ahead of the Quinlan. Qui-Gon Jinn like, scene uh, in that fifth episode, so that it's well. not just this big... Your Freudian slip is well timed. <laughs> okay, good. We have all read that book, and the the uh, what's the name of the uh, Dark Disciple? Dark Disciple, uh, Christy be- Golden. Beautiful story, with Quinlan still being confirmed as a alive person, which is a little bit of a wink, wink type thing to the book readers, but not just the book readers, comic readers. Ourselves, yeah, and well, and he appears in Clone Wars. Um, but there, and yeah, so he's he's definitely very you know well liked in the fandom, and as a survivor and a powerful survivor, someone who's able to defeat Count Dooku. I uh, I know what's one. Your odds on him making an appearance. That's let's go ahead, Jonathan. Well, first I was going to say this tells you how. First of all, he had comics back in the early two thousands, uh, set after Rich, uh, Revenge of the Sith about him surviving. So he's been around for that long. But I know someone in the fan community. He runs the uh, the Star Wars Bookworms uh, 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 podcast. Really excellent podcast. He's such a big Quinlan Voss fan. He named his son Quinlan. <laughs> so oh wow! I have not yet seen his reaction, but I know he's gonna f- flip out when this happens. So oh, yeah. there there are <laughs> there are people who like Quinlan in in the fandom. So I think that there's a uh, uh, I I do think there is a solid chance we'll see him. And there's actually some external evidence too. Um, there was a so during the whole tweet stuff that's been happening between some of the actors. One actor who was confirmed to be in the show uh, is uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. And he responded saying, just wait till you see my character in the show. And he actually kind of has the look like there's some fan art of him as Quinlan that actually matches up. So I could see that happening. So I think there's a shot. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but I think there's a good shot. We'll see him in this. That's and given the given the context of Dark Disciple, the Quinlan mm. we see is post Order sixty six. It's post Assage of Interest. So, you know, I'm curious to see. Obviously, he's helping people. So right. He's still, you know, a good guy. But what kind of burdens is he carrying? What kind of baggage is he got still got? You know. Right. But he's been through the dark side and returned. Right. Yeah. And so, as somebody who was always a rogue, if, it, if there ever was within the Jedi Order. He was more Qui-Gon than Qui-Gon was. Like, <laughs> he, he, he was like Jason Momoa playing Qui-Gon Jinn. So, that that um, would be the perfect <laughs> casting for him, but we're not going to get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but think about, like, his, his life now is still just helping people in a way that was very similar to what he did before. Right. He may not do as much, like, directly that's lightsaber-related, but he's probably helping just on a regular day, just whatever the people's needs are around him in a way that does not, like, draw out his attention as a Jedi. But, you know, I, I tend to think that he 
would not be nearly as affected mentally as, as Obi-Wan was. No. Um, even before the knowledge about Anakin Vader surviving. You know. I think he'll be more compassionate. I think that he might even be more willing to to get Vader back on the uh, on the path to the light side, saying, "Hey, I came somebody back." Somebody has to, yeah. Somebody, somebody has, has to put that in Obi Wan's mind. Now, I and think we texted about this. Um, the Do you remember the the kind of sum up thing at the beginning? Yeah. yeah. So, so Padme says when she's basically giving birth, "There's still good in him," mm-hmm. yeah. but that is not in the film. That's not in Return of the Jedi or Revenge of the Sith. Right. So why would they have that particular quote? It probably was from an outtake. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and, I, and I just threw that in there, but I do want to double back because, Trent, you had some thoughts a second ago about Well, Quinlan. I wanted to maybe even speak directly to your friend, Jonathan, about Quinlan Boss because I, <clears throat> the adaptation physically or in live action of Quinlan Boss, I would love to see you know, certain looks or certain people that could play him. Uh, specifically, the yellow line would be awesome, right? right? But I do want to prepare everybody because I, I feel like they won't have that, right? And they could explain it by, well, that's just a big highlighter mark telling everybody who you are. So I wonder if they won't <laughs> have it or if he covers it somehow because uh, he's in hiding, you know, and that's a pretty distinct <clears throat> trait. So uh, mm. I just wonder about the appearance of Quinlan Vos if he'll be altered. I, for lore reasons. I think his personality. I think his personality will be altered. I don't think because in the Clone Wars specifically, and in Dark Disciple a little bit towards the beginning, but in Clone Wars he is super jokey. He's very like he, not only is he humorous, but everyone around him is kind of humorous when he enters a room. And now Dark Disciple turns him on the darker path, so Dark Disciple fans might accept a change easier than just Clone Wars fans. But I think a lot of people will will bristle at the idea if he's more of a serious character in this show, which I don't think that they've set up like they've already set up a kind of humorous character with Namil Jihad. How do you say this? The the fake the fake Jedi in the second part. Um, right. uh, they've mm-hmm. they've already set up the humorous character, so I don't think that they're going to to do that with Quinlan. So I think that will be more of a difference. Not having the the face paint since that's <clears> essentially like. I always viewed it. He kind of looked like a football player with that face paint on. Uh, if he doesn't have that, uh, it's more of, if he doesn't have the dreadlocks, that's where I'm going to be like, okay, you, you messed up there. <laughs> so would, be, would you be okay, Trent, if he just shows up in order to die? I mean, if that's the purpose is that he does have something that he imparts to Obi-Wan. Yeah. But in it, the end, this was really just to tie up his story and he appears and then he dies to Vader and I would, that's it. I would love it if it's if it's got weight to it. Personally, yeah. there's, a, there's a ton of similarities between Quinlan and Anakin's story, except <clears throat> Quinlan, his outcome was different. You know, it was, it was sort of I fell in love with uh, a girl and, you know, yada, yada. And I would love for Quinlan to be willing to sacrifice himself right. uh, in, in, like, maybe a fight with Vader. But that does feel like what Obi-Wan does in A New Hope, and maybe that's where he gets the idea from. I don't know. So... There is a fan reaction where fans don't like it when you introduce characters only to kill them off in the same movie mm-hmm. or same project. I think Doctor mm-hmm. Strange and Multiverse of Madness proves that point. I think mm-hmm. that um, a few others, I'm, I'm blanking on the, I had a Star Wars reference and I lost it. Um, but I, I, I know Star Wars fans don't like it when that happens. So I, I'm mm-hmm. hoping that they're not bringing him in just to kill him off because if they do it right I'm fine with it but no matter if, if they do it at all it will create a big contingent that is angry yeah, did you see that. that article by George R.R. R. Martin recently with that exact title 
Star Wars kills off its characters too nonchalantly. And the article's all about, like, hey, I'm the guy who kills my characters. And here, let me tell you why Star Wars does not do it the right way and I do it the right way. That's, that's George, basically. Yeah, the, 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 with, with George Martin, it's that he kills off a lot of his characters, but he, he spends so much time with them that you feel it when they die. And, it, and there's, there's always a purpose. Uh, you know, Rob Stark had not just walked in when the Red Wedding happens. He'd been yeah. main character for a while. <laughs> Uh, spoilers for a and there was like twenty year old hopes book. and dreams tied right. around him, so much like expectation. Yeah, but let's oh, but let's I, just show I, another I, example from the TV show. Is towards the end of the TV show they bring back Benjamin Stark only to kill him off as soon as he comes back. Yes, so <sighs> that's an example of where you do it wrong because it feels like they just needed a character to, to to save Jon Snow and to save Bran and it's like no you didn't give him enough time if we had spent the last couple seasons seeing a scene of him surviving in the wild seeing him come back and realize okay i need to to save these guys okay but really it was just we brought him back all right we're going to kill him off now uh, this is more more fan service in in pure fan service than anything else and that's when that's when it's done poorly I definitely would be more willing to listen to George Martin's uh, criticisms if he came out with a book a month like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> or, or just, you know, a book every 10 years. You know, that'd every be okay. You know, that'd be fine, yeah. too. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, I'm still bitter about that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> sorry, Mr. Martin. I have to get um, no, I'm not sorry, George. It's <laughs> I'm not sorry, George. Uh, let's let's jump into the portrayal of Darth Vader here in this okay. episode. So the beauty of the scene at the beginning where he's being assembled, uh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, love that. And it's so humanizing to see the face behind it. Right. And to see that. And we really, we have had more glimpses of it here than we got in all three of the original trilogy films. Right. Until just maybe at the very end when we see him with the mask off. But still... Um, I love that, and the, the way that they put the mask on is the same way that the machine that like slides it down on top of his head right. in Empire. And the first time we see just the back of his head, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, look at all these scars!" Um, but what about the voice to you? And I believe that they did some of the same technological kind of sound manipulation that they did with Luke in Book of Boba, Episode Five and Six, or was it just Six? Six. Yeah. six. Just six. It sounded like a young, uh, like a younger. Uh, yeah, it didn't sound like Joe old Jones. man Vader anymore. Yeah, um, I was, I was, I was did, impressed. Did it sound choppy at all, or did you think it was the the Luke voice from uh, Boca Boba Fett sounded very robotic, which ironically mm-hmm. would have been fitting for Vader. But uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like I enjoyed James Earl Jones's, even if it's AI enhanced or all AI or whatever. The performance here I enjoyed more than the Mark Hamill. Uh, yeah, from stuff. From Book of Boba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can yeah. superior to that. Uh, while I like the voice of Vader better here than I did in the voice in Rogue One, I did not care for the look of him inside his castle in in the throne. Uh, I thought I'm going to be honest. I thought it looked like it was a fan film. That scene, cheesy, yeah. it, it, like like that that scene, it can be done well because the comics have done that shot before and it's been fine. And of course, you know he's in the same location in Rogue One, 
But I don't know whether it was the scope or just the des- the production design. But him sitting in the chair, it just it felt like it felt fan filmy to me. And I really? preferred the look of him coming out when you know when the smoke in Rogue One. You know when the smoke happens and the door opens and you see his his uh, his reflection or you see his uh, his his shadow get smaller as he walks out. That scene really works. Uh, uh, as a, like a cinematic movie level, and they kind of do that later in the episode when he's coming in the town. So when he's coming in the town, it doesn't feel fan filmy. It feels really good production. It's just in his castle in the throne room. It just it bothered me. I think it's the that's lighting. so interesting. I, I thought I, I, I thought the castle looked good, but oh, I think the oh, castle like the does look good. It's just in that room. Yeah, the castle. Mm. The castle was great. I, I so I read a little bit about this because uh, I also thought the same thing. It looked, felt kind of fan filmy. Just the material, right? The suit was made out of mm-hmm. felt weird. Yep. But I think it's the lighting, and I think it's the fact that it's hard to do him menacingly in high def, 4K, whatever they're doing it in. Right. And if you notice, like all they do a lot of. I mean, it makes sense because Vader's the dark father. They do a lot of night scenes with him, mm-hmm. and it looks awesome. <clears throat> Uh, but when you give it all the light, it's like, is he wearing like a weird trash bag? What are you doing? Like, right. And I think it may just be hard for them to translate um, what we're used to seeing in high def to a really a costume that was designed in the 70s with not high definition. Right. I thought the comments that I heard regarding the fan fiction look to it was more directed towards, towards the battle. Fight. Yes. Yeah, towards the battle because it looked like somebody went out to you know, the woods behind their house. Right. And I, I get <laughs> and, that you know, too. They, they filmed some stuff there. I get that too. And I did, I did feel that a little bit there, but I really felt it in the castle. Well, here's, here's my issue. So, and I don't know if this is Deborah Chow's design, but it felt like, um, it felt like it, maybe like a game where there's out of bounds and like a, imagine a football field or something. And each team has a side and multiple times you see the shots being framed as one side and the other side, and they don't take into account that they could just take an alternate route. Um, right. So, like, the ending scene with the fire in the middle. Right. Um, it's like with Vader on one side, Obi-Wan on the other. Like, yeah, with the scene with Obi-Wan and Leia and the, the red gate, that you know, of death. Right. The <laughs> just walk around it. There's space. If you look, you could just walk around the gate. You don't have to shoot it and blow it up. Um, especially since they just walked through, they didn't take the ship through you know the scenes um even in the even in the shots in the street with vader and obi-wan coming it's still very one side and the other side and <clears throat> because that was used so many times it just felt like mm, that's a it was it was one of those things that films sometimes do to to shoot you into a scene that you feel like it could it had to happen right. they're forcing something to happen and maybe if they'd picked a better location or even added some stuff in. If they had added more in, it would have felt more shoehorned into this. It had to be this. But um, the voice of Vader was good. I'm interested in what you guys were saying about the look, though. I'm still, I'm still thinking about what what it is that made him feel off to some people, and maybe we'll find that out as we see more of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly, I certainly thought he was really well written. Yes, yes, he was really well written. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, what you guys think of? What you guys think of the line that he gave when you when he says uh, uh, when he says what have you become? And he says yes, I am what you made me. Yeah. You know, 
That one's a good one. I've listened to it over and over again. I I also really like the uh, uh, it's 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 kind of cheesy, but the 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 why are you hitting yourself when he you know kind of puts him in the fire? He's like ah oh, oh, why are you burning up? <laughs> I just it's kind of funny, yeah. but I, I I'm like yeah that's exactly how I'd react if I was you know burned up my whole body and I have the master right there. I would totally do the yeah. same thing. Oh man, yeah Vader, he he definitely. With that particular moment, he has to be thinking a, a little bit of revenge, or at the very least, see what it's like. Um, and <laughs> just because the the fire there, so he throws these flammable, some whatever's been mined, yeah, some yeah, some kind of like explosive material, and then he ignites it with a saber, and you have this like, it's it's just normal kind of looking fire on the ground, yeah. But it looks like very uncomfortable, and he like just hurls Obi Wan into it, and everybody's mind has to be going exact same place, um, and I'm sure there'll be memes coming out about because he's down on the ground. He's like, now who has the high ground? You know? Right. <laughs> Something like that'll be coming out soon. That joke happened when when Obi Wan shot the stormtrooper that fell and sl- sliced in half, and, and the meme I saw was the stormtrooper yelling, "But I had the high ground." That's great. <laughs> uh, nobody. Yeah, nobody goes against Obi Wan and, and doesn't get cut in half. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Um, but let's talk about some of the other characters. This we, this was our introduction to a character that I was very excited to to see, and yet I don't know if she was Rust, but her name was uh, Tala. Yeah. Tala, who was uh, um, played portrayed by this actress. What was her name? Indira Varma. She's she's well known for Game of Thrones, right? Um, but me and you have discussed Jonathan how much she just nailed the iconic look of an of an imperial officer. Absolutely, in the trailer, mm-hmm. just her facial expression just miraculously. The like, hair, iconically that yes. Um, and I was so excited to see her, and when she showed up, I'm like, oh, she's gonna be awesome, and she immediately subverted my expectations. Right. And turned out to be, like, you know, this underground railroad type of, you know, I'm going to, kind of like an Agent Callus, like he is. Right. He's a, he's a plant trying to, like, secretly help out the, the, at this point, just anybody who needs help, but not specifically the Rebel Alliance. Anyway, uh, what were some thoughts from you? I'll throw it to Trent first, but when it comes to, like, did you feel like it was rushed at all, or did you like that she was so quickly revealed and we didn't dance around the whole issue, isn't she? Oh, I was, I was thrilled with it. Because, I mean, I, when Obi-Wan, if you notice, when he was getting down on the ground, he still had his finger on the trigger, and I was like, is he about to shoot, like, while he's from the ground? Uh, and, you know, in the trailer, she looks really menacing, and it was just, like you said, subverting expectations, and, and for me it was in a good way. It was like, a, oh, I actually was shocked that she was a good person, you know? And so I think just just having that quick turn there was uh, actually pretty satisfying. And it helped to move things along instead of, like, mm-hmm. going through another, oh, we're captive or we're in an awkward situation where we have to talk to stormtroopers or something. You know, like, I, I enjoyed that uh, really really fast paced when uh, when 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 I, I watched it over at Nathan's with James and another friend and uh, uh, after after she sh- shoots the stormtroopers I leaned over to James and I said I'm the spy I knew it 
<laughs> because because I think this is a better this is a better version oh, yeah, of that scene. <laughs> this is a better because they set up. Hey, we were waiting for the spy. They never met us, and so you kind of and then you spend a little bit of the episode focusing on other things. So you kind of forget that you're still waiting on that on that that contact. And so when she comes in, it's perfect. Whereas in Rise of Skywalker, it's just kind of totally just I'm the spy, and you're like, oh yeah, I. I guess I guess there was a spy earlier. Was there? Like you can kind of they 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 don't do it. They don't pace it right there. So this was a better version of that. Mm. Well, so she was actually Bale's contact, right? <clears throat> Tala. Not and Bale's contact. I thought she was um, the contact of uh, the Haja, the Jedi, the the the, the not the not a Jedi. Haja. Well, it's possible she was both. Okay. I'm just wondering if she was. I thought it was I just the if, one. If if Bale is involved with people already, oh yeah, basically trafficking to save you know people of interest from being captured by the inter- by the empire. Um, <clears throat> a couple of throwaway lines, but still important, were where she talked about not realizing what the emperor was or the empire was when she joined up. Right. Um, would you have liked more specifics or more details gone into, or was that enough, Jonathan? No, because we've essentially got that in, like, Bad Batch. Bad Batch is about people being part of the Empire and realizing, hey, this is not what it, what, what I thought it was. So uh, I don't that's – a, that's a well-trodden story, and we probably will get it in other places, but, but we didn't really need to get more of that from her. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she's not a character that we need to see a lot of in the future. I mean, she, she might be in the next episode or so, but she's served her purpose, generally. We did get a visual example of this, Trent, in the previous episode. Um, I want to know if you're thinking of what I'm thinking of, of the difference in how, the, in how Vader would, would treat versus how Anakin would treat, um, played by Tamara Morrison, that is. Would oh, Vader have ever let a, le- a, a member of the 501st Legion, like, basically be homeless on the street? Absolutely. Would Anakin have done that? Not a chance in the world. He would have died for his men. Right. Yeah. Right? And the difference there is, is showing Anakin and Vader, obviously, as avatars for the Empire and the, and the Republic. Like, yeah. he seems to be the, you know, yeah, the avatar for, he represents all of them. In the same way, kind of the Imperial March does. But Right. It, was that a good comparison in your, in your mind, Trent? Well, there's. I think that scene specifically where he sees Tamor Morrison uh, as the, the veteran or whatever we'll call him for now. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, I think there was this moment of like, for me, when I saw him kind of recoil, Obi Wan did. It was almost like uh, Order sixty six mm-hmm. was the last time I really thought about right the way you guys look and your face. I mean, I was the one that came to. Uh, Camino, like I like I saw all, all of your faces, right? And so there's probably a lot, of, like just a t- just a tremendous amount of PTSD there wrapped up in that, and then also that whole moment of like, uh, there's so many things I want to maybe talk to this guy about, but I'm on a mission and I really want to stay low key. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was hard, and it, it also felt kind of like Obi Wan was kind of reserved with Tala. Speaking of him talking to people who were you know maybe a little bit more enlightened, um, but. Reserved is a great word. Yeah, Obi Wan has been reserved with everybody so far. He's not, he's not released any kind of attention. He's just, he's all wound up in a knot. He's still. And not to um, retread the Quinlan Voss thing, but like when he when he saw his name on the wall and he goes, Quinlan was here. 
it's almost like it was just yeah. hope. You see that hope in him, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know? Uh, yeah. Might that be was somebody who was his friend, really close friend. Yeah. yeah. One of the few times he actually smiles in the show. Yeah. Because we've gotten him, because he was scowling, and then for, for a while we got him kind of to have a neutral uh, look on his face when he's talking with Leia, but to smile, that's, that's quite a get. And I do want to go to, for a minute, talk about the whole, uh, his, his, his talks with Leia, because I really find them fascinating. Yeah. I like their dynamic where she's, she reminds him so much of Padme and he's, and, and you know, the, the line where he, you know, he's talking with a stormtrooper and he's like, I thought her name was, uh, Lola. We've called her Leia. He's like, yeah, well, uh, you know, sometimes I, I think about her mother and, uh, and I was like, oh, that's so well played. So, so, so cleverly written. Luma. 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 Yeah. Um, so what I thought immediately when I heard that scene was, oh, this is, this is to explain Leah and Luke's conversation about their mother. When Luke asks her, do you remember your mother? I have no memory of my mother. And she says, just memory is really your real mother. Um, so Luke basically did not have any kind of visions or force looks at his real mother, even though we know he was strong with the force, but Leia apparently did. Yeah. To the point to where she was able to describe him to Luke. And we always wondered why, oh, well, George just had her living a little bit longer and Luke was separated earlier. And that was the reason, you know, because George just didn't plan it out quite as good. Right. It's a small thing that I could overlook, you know, so I just always assumed, ah, I'm, I'm okay with overlooking that one little thing. <laughs> so this scene is, is Obi-Wan, you know, he has a father. He has a flash of a memory of a younger brother, mm-hmm. just like little tiny things, you know, and that in and of itself is enough to, to say for us, hey, this is kind of an explanation without us being too on the nose about it, but this is how Leah remembered Padme right. or was able to describe her. Was that what you got? Was it your first reaction, Trent? No, my was first reaction you? was, oh, he really is Uncle Ben because he has a brother, which means that brother might have a son and then maybe he has <laughs> no lineage. So Uncle Ben's Uncle Ben again. Uh, that was my first reaction. Uh, no, but I, I really did enjoy that conversation there and just like kind of the, I don't know, just the... We a lot of us that already kind of know how the Jedi operate. It was a it was a good way to kind of introduce that concept to people who maybe just watching the show casually. Uh, it was a good way to, to tread that, and I, I really like that and, and connect with Leia on that. Like, hey, I was torn from my mm-hmm. family too when I was younger, and so that was that was really cool. And also, you know, there's just been there's there's been this kind of like uh, rise in this. Uh, Le- Leia is the other one. You know, we get that line in Return of the Jedi. And so there's this moment right here where Obi-Wan is kind of training Leia. I mean, he's not doing a great job of it because he's <laughs> kind of scolding her uh, sometimes. But we get this cool moment where technically, not in a Jedi way, I guess, but Leia is influenced from a young age by Obi-Wan. Right. And these conversations are a part of that. And I really, I really like it. Yeah. Mm. Leia's, her wit is always emphasized her... She's the one who doesn't slip up. It's Obi Wan who yeah. slips up. Yeah, that was. He funny. covers for it, but she, she's she's so uh, smug at times, like with her cousin. But at the other times, she's reflective beyond her years. She's to the point where she realizes clearly Obi Wan has specific knowledge of my mother. Are you are you my real father? You know that question. And she's so close to the truth, you know? Yeah. He was my brother. 
you know, your your father was my brother. Ironically, I there was a um, a theory back in the 2010s that was really popular, which was that really Obi Wan was uh, the real father or something, and obviously <laughs> it's not. It's not real. But I, I thought that was a, you know, at the time I was like, that's an interesting theory uh, that changes Star Wars a lot. And so to hear this, hear that question, are you my real father? I was like, ooh, I wonder if they're acknowledging that that theory. Uh, this scene also made me think, ooh, Kenobi has a brother. Could we see him? Probably not in this show, but could we see him in the future? And if so, what is he going to, like, is he going to look just like Ewan McGregor? Would they have Ewan McGregor play the brother? Or would they bring you in... You want to s- tell the joke, Jonathan? <laughs> when we were watching it live, uh, I leaned over to Jonathan in that moment, and I said, Aberforth Kenobi. Aberforth Kenobi. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> okay, yes. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, they'll, they'll get Siren Hines to, to come in and play his brother. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, Ewan McGregor has a brother named Col- uh, Colin McGregor. Uh, so they <clears throat> technically could... Yeah. Maybe, but, I mean, it, it, maybe too. Maybe not the great. The, the, maybe the best fit. Maybe not. I'm just trying to figure out, like, think who would we get, like, le- like as a, like a legitimate actor for it, um, and I don't have an answer yet. Uh, mm. It'd be it'd have to be someone that yeah. can have a good beard. They have to have <laughs> a good beard it. for Probably. it. To, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <Yes. laughs> right. <laughs> Little brother of Kenobi. If I get to um, meet him, that'd be great. Why don't we? Why don't we address the? Which we originally thought was Seth Rogen, but Zach Braff. Yeah, yes, Zach Braff got to play this. I thought this alien. You were at first certain was really. Yeah, we were for sure that it was him. But um, his name was Freck. Freck was. Um, well, he's fingered like fingered nose things that just like constantly. I was looking at nothing but his nose. Right. As. It was kind of, um, kind of like the the hairs he could control on his nose, but they were appendages. Right. It was neat looking. It was it was a good design for an alien. He was friendly, but the way that he spoke about the empire, you could tell we should not trust this dude. Um, and uh, <laughs> the way that he turns them over kind of confirms that. Yeah. But I thought I thought he did it. I think Zach Braff is somebody that I do not I do not think of like taking on this type of a serious kind of character. There wasn't enough jokes for Zach Braff, but... Uh, and it's also his voice. It, d- it doesn't sound like his voice at all, which is even more impressive. Maybe it's just old man Zach Braff. Yeah, really, yeah. He's getting um, his... Yeah. Well, I think he's dating or married to Florence Pugh now. Yeah, he is so, dating Florence Pugh, yeah. And there was so a lot of controversy because of the age gap there. Well, now they're just a Disney couple now. That's what that means, right? Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> and he and he just and he just got a good gig with uh, Disney with uh, the cheap, the new Cheaper Bride of the, the Dozen remake. Um, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was cast in that. Yeah, so he. Well, that's exciting for him. What, yeah. what did you guys think about like? So there was a moment there that was. I feel like it was pretty dark for Obi Wan, but I think it fit when he used Freck as a body shield. Yeah, mm. I thought that too. I was yeah. like. Okay, Obi Wan, man, you're really changing. Because I like Obi Wan in the Clone Wars wouldn't like the. Okay, I'll say this: he uses in the Clone Wars movie, he does use one of the generals as a body shield um, uh, in the beginning at the Battle of Christosis, but that's because that's literally like the general that he's trying to capture. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit different. Uh, whereas this is like a civilian who happens to help the Empire by turning them in. And he actually uses the civilian as the shield, which, yeah, Brutal. that's weird. Yeah. 
I mean, I liked mm-hmm. it. It fit. But uh, Nathan, do you have any thoughts about that? I do. It's it's the fact that Obi Wan is so out of practice that he's having to rely on things that he shouldn't. Right. And yeah. Like blasters. His hesitancy to use his lightsaber. His hesitancy to use the Force. Um, we've seen him use the Force a total of one time so far in this show. Right. And that's it. Even when he fought Vader, he didn't really use it. Um, would have would have been great. I think we need like a you know a Rocky type of montage right. where ba 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 where he's you know training and he's, it's it's the thing where he has Leia on his back instead of Yoda, hopping <laughs> <laughs> over rocks and Quentin stuff. And Qui Gon are there and they're just like and tr- sh- like training. she's the one raising her hands right yeah yeah okay. Um, <laughs> yes, I but that, that could be that. That could be a little bit to explain how uh, she was, without being without being aware of it, she was taught to use the force. By right, everyone. exactly. I think that's um, a very good. I think that's a very good idea. Because he knows that she's force sensitive and probably one of the most powerful potential force sensitive people left in the galaxy. Why wouldn't he? He plans to train to train Luke. If he had this much access to Luke, you don't think that he would be. Trying to guide him and plan him the same way. Right. Maybe that's a question we should be asking: Is would he be treating Luke differently? Well, mm. I know he also must be struggling. He might be struggling with it. Luke struggled with a little bit in the sequel <clears> trilogy, <throat> where it's like, "Your, fa- I trained your father, and look what he became. Maybe I shouldn't train you." Right. Like, this is terrifying. Mm. So, mm. I was. I thought that I could. Yeah, he says that line. I thought I could teach him just as well as Yoda. I was wrong. I I don't know if you felt this, Trent, but this I, I thought that you know the first part, the first episode of Kenobi makes me appreciate the Last Jedi more because it makes me feel like that's more realistic that the the Jedi would cut themselves off from the Force, go live as a hermit, and be unwilling to return. Because uh, we had the first two things of the being cut off and not returning with Obi-Wan, but the unwillingness to return, we'd never really seen before, whereas yeah. now we've seen that in both Obi-Wan and in Luke, and so they each complement each other. So for me, I'm able to reconcile Last Jedi, which I did my problems with, I'm able to reconcile it more now, which I appreciate. Yeah. I think all media, all, all the projects <clears throat> should make you appreciate the other ones more. So. Yeah, I think you've mentioned this before on the podcast, how like even if there are hardships or things that are hard to swallow, the new stuff that comes out tries to bridge that gap some. And I do think that uh, in a cool way, this show is doing that, not only with The Last Jedi and some other criti- valid criticisms, but it's also helping bridge the gap with a movie that was made in the 70s. Right. There's, there's, light, there's lines and there are a lack of fighting <clears throat> abilities that happen in the first lightsaber fights that maybe will make sense right. a little bit more after the show where it's like, there's a reason why Obi-Wan was not scared of Vader when he saw him. He's not terrified of the Frankenstein monster he became. And he also was fine just kind of, you know, phoning it in on the lightsaber fight because he knew he was just going to sacrifice himself. Right. So. Well, in interviews, uh, Ewan McGregor mentioned, and Hayden, I believe, that their style of lightsaber battling was supposed to, in the show, to mirror the prequels, the same style. That's They both trained super hard, and they said the fighting would be the same. I didn't get that from this. And me neither. Um, that was that was not what people are saying about this episode, <clears throat> and in fact, Vader maybe because Vader is just toying. He's one-handing his blade, right? Obi Wan's two-handing it, and Vader's pushing him back. So it's a total domination. But perhaps we'll see 
at, you know, we've got three episodes to see another battle. I would like to see Obi-Wan defeat an Inquisitor in lightsaber battle, and then to see him fight and hold his own against Vader, having kind of gotten back in the swing of things. Um, I think that's possible. But, yeah. um, But with that coming in mind, I'm really feeling like it's likely we'll get better lightsaber duels. Oh, yeah. And we'll look back and say, oh, okay, well... Vader this episode, it's clear to context now that he was literally just messing around. He wasn't, he wasn't, and I heard criticism that he could have gone at the end and blown out the flames with the force again, which he had literally just done. Right. He blew the force, you know, blew the flames out, and then that's when they reignited with the the explosion. Um, But he basically lets Obi-Wan go, which there's a lot of reasons he could do that, but, you know, it's 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 kind of like a... It, it reminds me of a of a Thrawn. Right. That's what Thrawn yeah. Did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, that was the big oh, criticism of Thrawn in, in season three of Rebels was he's constantly letting them go, and Thrawn's like, "Oh no, I got something big planned for the Rebels." And then in the season three finale, boom, he destroys them. Now he doesn't entirely <laughs> win because there is the uh, the 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 uncontrollable factor of the Bendu that comes in at the end, and I think the same mm-hmm. thing will happen here. Uh, Dave Vader's going to capture. There is going to do something, and there's going to be an uncontrollable factor, which will allow Obi Wan to to win and survive. Imagine, imagine Qui Gon appears that's, finally as a Force ghost. That's in possible. Front of Vader and Obi Wan. That would give and Vader Vader's pause. Like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That would give him pause. But if it, well, I don't know if that would happen because, ugh. Because later on, Obi Wan says, "If you just strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you could possibly imagine." And he can imagine Maybe it. Maybe. He maybe if that would be too much for, uh, you know, for Qui Gon to reveal himself. But I still just wonder if they would be like, "This would be so awesome. What if we did? What if? What if? Or at least it was his voice." Um, yeah, and he comes in and he like tries to stop, like he says, "Anakin," and and and, and Vader stops Ugh. and is like, "What? What?" Ugh. And he's like, "Anakin, drop." <laughs> and, and and drop it like it's hot. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think that would be an interesting use. I still think I'd rather see, if we're going to see Qui-Gon, we need to see him talking with Obi-Wan. But if we saw mm. him talking with Anakin, that would also be really interesting because I think he's the one person that could maybe make Vader stop in his tracks and, and like, really throw him off and allow Obi-Wan to escape and, you know. Mm. I've got a... I've him got a or possibly Jar Jar, but... Uh, no. I've got a, ref- I've got a <laughs> reference to a meme that I want to I bring up and then I want to ask you guys a question that's unrelated to that, but... Uh, that's all a meme where it's uh, what's the name of the, the slave owner that owned Shmi and Anakin as a kid? Watto. Uh, Watto. It was a meme of Watto talking Mabushka. to somebody going, he's going, you know, I used to own Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody's like, yeah, sure you did. Okay, old man. Uh, <laughs> no, anyway, the question I want to ask you guys was specifically about the music and did you feel the lack of John Williams in this? I mentioned that specifically to Jonathan. There was one scene in particular, which we didn't talk about this scene. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great scene visually. Oh, yeah. As Revo arrives in her black, sleek, you know, Inquisitor <clears throat> vessel onto the Inquisitor base, and we see the, you know, the, the skyline. It's a, the ocean. Visually, it's done really, really well. Yeah, the ocean. Everything's black. But they get the, the stormtroopers there. They all show, they bow, they you know show their respect yeah. to the inquisitors. But the music to me, it was no concert suite. It was nothing, nothing that made me go, oh, that was beautiful. It was like 
the t- it just felt like typical action music that score. I was hearing a show today. Right. Yeah. Um, and at least lack in, of a melodic motif that identified or held any weight. So at least in Rogue was, One, they made an actual new Imperial theme because they did use the Imperial March, but at, at some points, but they actually made a new Imperial theme for Rogue One so <laughs> that they could have exactly what you're saying. The concert, you know, the bum, 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 bum. Like that really yeah. works. If they, yeah. had, if they had just lifted that, it would have been perfect. Yeah. Like they didn't even need to yeah. create anything new. I think there was a sense of letting, letting Natalie Holt just make her own stuff, which I get. So that, that scene, you would have, Replace it with Imperial March. We talked about replacing with the right. We talked about Rise of Sky or the. We talked about the Revenge of the Sith. Also the Revenge of the Sith theme with the droids. That would work, or the one you just hummed a second ago. Any of those would elevate the scene. So this is a criticism of her choosing a scene that's so reliant on the score because I think she's done a good job in a lot of moments, individual right. moments. Like, but that was a, that was a, that was her chance to like, here's the music in the forefront. And I thought it was a letdown yeah. as a music person. There may be other people who love it and I'm glad you do, but um, I doubt it's one that Samuel Kins were like, Oh, I gotta, exactly. gotta, gotta do that. Right. You know? Exactly. And he does like a lot of her and I like a lot of her music. Like Loki was a fantastic yeah. score. And I think that this is a, this is a bit more of a dangerous area because in Mandalorian, the score is by nature so different that you don't need the big operatic all the time. You're okay when it does something smaller, but here they really are mimicking the film scores in the way they do a lot of the stuff. Mm-hmm. So you expect that kind of film score here and when you don't get it you feel even if you get something on par with the mandalorian mandalorian seems better by comparison because you're i think the mixing was part of the problem too maybe you listen to it really closely the mids and you know they weren't high enough there was a lot on the low end but not on the medium low end right of the arrangement so it just felt hollow some of the orchestration and i'm definitely not saying that i could do a better job um, and I'm not saying that she did a terrible job, um, but it's a, it's a hard I wish, job. It's a difficult job for sure. Yeah, life is good. I wish, but it could be better. I wish John Williams had composed that theme and she just arranged it, or right? Like that. Or she borrowed. She was allowed to borrow more. So yeah, in that particular scene, even though that was a good scene, we haven't talked much about Reba. So she, in this, it appeared to me that as if she said that Obi Wan was the one who. Uh, basically attack the Grand Inquisitor. Is that what you guys got? Oh, yeah. She's, she was, she's blaming it on him because she doesn't want mm-hmm. Vader to know that she killed the Grand Inquisitor, or killed the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, right. Who in quotes? Because uh, uh, if in that case, it's just a power grab. But in this mm-hmm. case, now she's being smart. Oh, Kenobi did it. But I tried to tell the Grand Inquisitor, and he wouldn't listen. And now she seems more conniving. I think I think Vader sees right through that. I think oh, I think like, he does, yeah. but she yeah. doesn't. He will for sure now because like he sees how weak he is. Right. Yeah. He's like mm, Grand Inquisitor is way stronger than Obi Wan. Oh, that's in this a, yeah, that's a great current point. shape. That's a really um, good point. Having fought him, he's probably going to distrust Reva now more. Yeah. Um, but in that scene at the beginning when they're talking and it's like, oh, I don't even care about the Grand Inquisitor. You can have his job. And yeah. You just, you know, do bring me Kenobi. That's all I care about. You guys are literally tools. That's all. I don't, I don't care. care about you. Uh, <clears throat> you're not my apprentice. You're not 
anything to me, but You're not I will let dad. you live if you do a if <laughs> I will let you at least survive and you can you can you know use I can use you as a weapon to crush anything out there that might be a distraction but um, when it comes to her interaction with the other inquisitors and the power struggle describe describe your thoughts about that Trent with the the fifth brother and the the sixth sister I don't know no. well yeah the she's fifth qui- sister? she's she's quiet I hope that she does have her own uh, thing going on eventually because she looks cool I love the look of her mm-hmm. uh, the the unknown sister I'm going to call her but she looks uh, like a Guardians of the Galaxy style alien. right yeah I thought that too yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. It does, it does fit that description. Uh, but no, I like their interactions a lot. It's very clearly a lot of power plays, which you'd expect. I mean, it's a little mm-hmm. bit reminiscent of what we imagine the Sith world mm-hmm. to be like before mm-hmm. the Rule of Two. It's right. like always infighting, which is why they had the Rule of Two. Talking with a friend of mine about that recently. Um, mm-hmm. the, there is a specific scene with Reva and the other uh, Inquisitors that I want to bring up because I'm, I'm, I'm making a bet here. It's not... Not for sure, and it's not really a, a hot take, but it's when Vader snaps the neck of the child, or what looks like snapping the te- neck of a an older mm-hmm. teenager. Um, it, it hard cuts the other Inquisitors, and they're all like stone-faced, like whatever. We've seen them kill kids before. But she has a very micro-physical uh, reaction to it. Like her, her mouth kind of opens, and she leans forward just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I feel like her, her weakness is there showing... The, Invader's eyes or in a Sith perspective. Uh, so I feel like as we continue on, Vader's going to be untrustworthy of her. She, he's going to see that weakness and that I do feel like she'll have the same re- realization that Tala did where she's like, oh, I realized just how evil we are and but it'll be too late for her. Isn't that going against what we've seen from her episode one and two? Yes. Absolutely. She cuts <laughs> off a hand. She... She's the one who's the most aggressive and Sith-like out of any of the Inquisitors. Yeah, even she's more, yeah, super, more so. She's super, like, you know, threatening and holds her lights up to... She just... And she blames the other ones for being too, you know, passive. Yeah. So, if that's the direction they're taking her... And I know there were a lot of theories that she would be, you know, the, the focus of her redemption story to a degree that, you know, um, <clears throat> the third sister... For her to be that at this point would feel very out of character. Right. If that's the direction they're taking her, I and other people will have a lot of problems with it. And and I do hate, we have to just, we're not going to talk a lot long. We'll just address how, like, before the show came out, we literally had Star Wars putting out a, hey, uh, don't bully this character, basically, statement. Like a statement. Before the series even came out, they were, like, warning us. And then after it came out, which she definitely got some hate. A lot. And yeah. I don't approve of that. Nobody, nobody should get hate like that. But right. I think every actor and every performer, every person in the public eye has literally, who's ever been out there, has gotten hate just like that. And including Hayden Christensen, when she speaks about including, it. Including politicians, including people who just appear on the news and they're made into, like, you know, people like, I'm, I'm thinking of people like, you know, Anyway, I won't go into specifics. But when we when we talk about it, um, Star Wars, by setting a precedent for this, where they stand up for some people, but they don't stand up for other people, they're walking a dangerous line into real-world politics that they need to be careful with. Um, yeah. Um, I made a comparison to how they handled Gina Carano, 
and I'll I'll, I'll at least scenario. argue I'll at least argue here that it's not not the same exactly, but Gina wasn't getting race related things. Her hers wasn't that. This was a specific, and that's what where 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 Lucasfilm was was when it got specifically race related, and they did not originally stand up for Boyega. Or John Boyega or Kelly no. Marie Tran when this happened, and and they got shellacked in the media by that, and so I think they realized if it's a race thing, we gotta we gotta step in, and so I think this is them saying, all right, from now on, if you attack one of our actors on a on a race issue, we're gonna step in and try to try to try to block it, but. Uh, but yeah, they, 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 they've definitely gotten a lot of complaints about their lack of action in the past. So I see them, this is going to be more common going forward, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, but, they need to be held accountable too. It's kind of nice that they're doing it. I just, you know, it's, always, it's always one of those things where it's like, I wish it happened sooner. Right, yeah, um, yeah. I wish it happened sooner, but I'm glad they're at least doing it now. Yeah. What are your, are your thoughts that if anybody has a critique of that's not what they're saying though, no. is it not racist because no that's not that what they seems said seems like what they're saying no 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 you look because they, they released a couple of tweets and a couple of statements you look at what they're saying mm-hmm. was they're okay and even a lot of not not want to say representatives uh, but a lot of people who are close with Lucasfilm came out and basically said look if you disagree with what they're doing with their character we're okay with that you can complain all you want they said but do not uh, attack on on race issues or or make racist comments or racist attacks. So Lucasfilm is not not saying any any critique at all is is racist. They're just saying there because there were a lot that she revealed. There were a lot of racist mm-hmm. ones. So mm-hmm. uh, they're specifically targeting those. Mm-hmm. They weren't they weren't attacking everyone. Yeah, I just I just hate that that's the story. That's the that's the narrative you put out, and when you give attention to it, that's becoming like part of the identity and I hate that Star Wars fans get some of the worst rep in the media period and just like a lot of other people a few get blamed or a, a, a lot the, get the blamed for the few blamed for the yeah for right. the few. Um, my, my thoughts go ahead go ahead oh, I was gonna say I think that's just because Star Wars is so big and so popular yeah. there's gonna there's gonna be you know some very toxic drops in the well and that just sort of speaks louder but it's it just kind of speaks to its popularity you know if anything was as popular it's gonna have some toxicity right. which is unfortunate let's manage it I guess I think Moses Ingram is an incredible actress and she has done a job that's very very successful like I would equate her to, in some ways, Giancarlo Esposito in the way that she's made a compelling uh, portrayal of the villain that she's playing, of Riva. Um, she's not quite at his level, but she is, she is similar to him in some ways. But it's the writing that's put her to where it's so easy for her to do certain things. Anytime it's really easy, that's why there's a lot of criticism of Ray. She had such an easy path in a lot of ways towards to, to achieve. So we need to see the difficulty and we need, I, I think if they're going towards the path of any redemption at all, we need to see that right away. Next episode, we need to start seeing more into her thoughts uh, other than just, she wants the goal of being the grand inquisitor herself. Right. Um, I, we really need to see that if there's another direction they're taking the character. Great. Um, if she's not going to try and be redeemed, that's, that's great. She's on the right path to not be redeemed and to be the one that, that Obi-Wan has to fight her and kill her. And that would be cool. That would be fine. I would be happy with that ending as well. What, what are your thoughts about that, Trent? 
I man, I'm just sitting here hoping for a helicopter lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, thank you for bringing us yes. back. You just <laughs> no, I think that that'd is... be cool. I, I do hoping I do. See, for okay. Hoping. This is one where I want I want to see the helicopter lightsabers, but I know the fandom will hate it. So yeah, I'm just same. like yeah. I don't want to actually see it, but I personally want to see like I want to see a deleted scene of, of the helicopters. Right, and I'm fine with what we got with the Grand Inquisitor and, right. and flee scene from the second episode. But to your point about Riva, no, I so I I really enjoyed the storyline of the second sister in Fallen Order and how like she's just terrifying. Yeah, she, she portrays a great villain, and at the end you see that moment of like run or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. So she's. Well, it's her. I mean, you you've got her master, Seer Junda. You've got her, you know, building a connection even with Cal Kestis, and you've got that connection that's throughout the whole game. Mm-hmm. And she is she is down inside, buried beneath the dark side, buried beneath the fear and the oppression of Darth Vader and the training and the torture, whatever else she went through. Like literally, the second sister Trilla was still inside, and we got that peak. Yeah, we got that at the end. And it was just for a few seconds enough for for Veda to sense her weakness and slaughter her, and spoiler alert. And um, could we see that from Riva? Maybe. I, I, it worked so well in the game. Mm-hmm. Are they going to copy that exact thing though, or it would feel like a retread? Yeah, it definitely do. would be. A re- if they do it, it would definitely be a retread. But honestly, I think the writers would be willing to risk that just mm-hmm. because it's it's a fun thing to watch. And I know we've talked about this before on the podcast, but. Just seeing that, no matter how far gone you are, seeing that realization and maybe even that step in the right direction. I mean, we, we get it with Vader mm-hmm. in Return of the Jedi. Spoiler. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just, I mean, it's definitely a retreaded trope. I wouldn't blame him for retreading it, although I do like the idea of her just being a villain through and through. I would love for her to continue on this path of destruction and see how her character arc concludes. The one thing that didn't add up is why they showed the Order 66 scene at the beginning, mm-hmm. if she's just a villain. Um, but maybe she gets the chance to, to kind of look back, um, uh, but then she turns back towards Sodom and Gomorrah instead. Um, mm, so, good, so good, good reference there. I, I, I personally don't have a stake one way or the other. If she turns out all bad all the time in, in the way she confronts <clears throat> Vader and the Inquisitors, that's fine. If she see the old redemption arc, that's fine. But gonna be honest, don't care much about her character either way. Like I don't really like her, but I also don't dislike her as a character. Like I'm just my my, my inclination is I just want to focus on the other characters involved. So, yeah. I it, it, it no matter which way they go, it's probably not gonna bother me. I'll just be okay. That's where they went. Unless they do something that just is mind-bogglingly good, I'll like it. But it's probably not gonna make me mad. I like what you've said because I would want to, I would rather more spend more time with Kenobi. He's got more to do. Right. He's got more development that needs to happen. And if they try and do a good job with her character arc, it's going to take away from him. And to be honest, a lot of people just ask themselves going into this, is this worth telling? Is this story about Kenobi? And Kathleen Kennedy addressed it specifically in her articles and her interviews. We didn't want to tell a story that we just felt like we're just telling a story to tell a story. Right. It needs to be something we feel is important, mm. and it's something that needs to be told about Kenobi. Right. And a lot of criticism, are even now, are still, um, this isn't important. This isn't, you know, this is just not relevant. 
you know, nothing in this is happening that's going to change the way that I think about the original trilogy. Um, and I disagree with those people a little bit, yeah. but I, I do see their point. Like, what's the main focus of this story? What has to be told? And if there's more to it with with Kenobi, which we hope, then he needs more time. He needs more screen time. With not just screen time. That said that wrong. He needs more character right. type of art time, which maybe could happen with Bale to a degree, mm-hmm. but he's not listening to Bale. It could happen with Quinlan, <clears throat> because that's somebody to be open with. Yeah. Like he felt like Quinlan probably was like an equal, like yeah. another Jedi master, a friend, and, but Qui-Gon is the main one that it could happen with. Um, do we want to wrap up by talking a little bit about the, the, the duel with Darth Vader between, between them? I know we kind of referenced it. Uh, yeah, okay. You want, I, I've how got did a, you? Oh, you got more stuff? No, no, no. That was. I was gonna say. I have some thoughts on that if we wanted to jump into it. So, well, I would like to talk about it. I think, I think the visual terror, can we, the unstoppableness of Darth Vader was on full display. Um, gosh, did, what what about the you know the lights on his belt? Were those always a part of his outfit? Do you know? Jonathan, yeah, I think he, I think he's got a, a, a good wardrobe like a department pre- in the Empire. So I think that he might have different different belts that he has. He has a different I, belt I for the different. That's a random thought. Yeah, this is my, <laughs> this is my uh, Mapuzo belt. I'm gonna wear my Mapuzo. Right. Mm. Mm, this goes really well with the dirt and dirt and. Uh, oh, this doesn't go well with sand. So. I'm gonna, <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. Sand. So there was, so that this this fight in context, especially of this episode, we see Obi-Wan have a vision of Hayden Christensen because that's his last time. Oh, right. we had yeah. to talk about that, yeah. Well, and I was going to tie it into this because it speaks to his shock and terror when he finally does see Anakin. Right. And he's like, uh, what is this Frankenstein monster in front of me? Mm. You know, so there's that moment, which I thought was really great. The, the lights do feel beefed up. I think it's relevant to bring up because uh, Vader's does have some more lights and the lightsabers reflect on their yeah. face which is a Disney thing which mm-hmm. I, li- I like that but I don't know how you can see in the dark with it but, yeah, right uh, uh, but I, I think it looked really cool visually and the lights for the Vader you have to kind of work with what you got maybe that's probably why they did it I saw one mm-hmm. uh, one one YouTuber referred to the scene as Michael Myers from Halloween, and I'm like, yeah, I get that because Vader's very slow. He's very methodical. He's very, I'll catch up to you eventually. It's okay. And then you know, uses fire, mm-hmm. which Michael Myers loves fire. Um, uh, so there's, th- th- I did get that feeling of there's that horrific terror, and he, oh, no matter where Obi Wan goes, he just can't escape it, and He's that works. He specifically mm. says, and this is definitely Anakin projecting here, he says, you cannot run Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it's like, you can't either, Vader. You're walking around. <laughs> You're not running. <laughs> right. That's right. He always, like, he always walks. That's the, the way that we talked about it, but his portrayal is, is great because I feel like they took a look really closely at episode four, episode five, and Vader never, ever appears to be pushed he never appears to be exerting himself. Right. He's so casual. And there's got to be a level of disconnect, too, with everything around him where he's like, is this even real life? At this point, it's like a, he's a different person. Like, what's real? You know, being Anakin is almost like a dream. Right. I'm not even half of the person that I was then. My, my body's not the same. My, the world, my eyes and ears and voice aren't the same. I'm not even the same person. So 
you know, the way that he has contextualized this, yeah, into this, you know, I think detached, but absolutely unstoppable force of nature, uh, force of the force, really. Yeah. Uh, no, was that not good? That wasn't good. I like my, it. my my mind went to the, the the Ahsoka novel joke where uh, Ahsoka's battling Maul, and he says, "You're not a, a full Jedi," and she says, "Well, you're only half a Sith." Yeah, <laughs> yeah Obi Wan did not have the he did not have the quips. He did not have the he's quips just, this time. His jaw jaw just dropped. He looks at Vader. He draws his lightsaber, and he immediately goes. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope, 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 and he <laughs> runs and runs and uh, still still can't get away. Um, but uh, Reva's captured Leia, which I wonder if Reva will maybe she'll do some kind of impacting um, with even with the Force of, of mm. demonstrating the power to Leia without realizing it, without realizing who she is. Or will she feel, figure out who Leia is by reading her mind? Um, I don't know. Just because Leia I think that, who she is, so. I think the next episode is going to be the battle at the Inquisitor's Fortress. I think that that's going to be yeah. most have to likely. Go and rescue. You have to go rescue Leia there. I mean, maybe they we have a ba- see, an episode in between, but I feel like that'd be a good next step. Obi-Wan cannot do that by himself. No. Nope. <laughs> he's, he's not, even if he was in his prime, he would not be able to do that himself. He would need some help. Um, we're going to go back and get the help right. from, well, we've got uh, Tala. No. Is she, is she dead? No, she's still alive. No, she's still alive. She, she carts him off. Oh, that's right. That's right. Haja, Tala, and maybe they have some forces. They can meet up with Quinlan and... Maybe who? Did you say someone else? Mm. No. Okay. I mean, we have a few the options. Connection broke up for a second. I, I doubt they'll use him, but they'll have, we have Cal Kestis. I don't. I don't think we'll get him. Oh man, so. he's been there. He's the one who's been there. Yeah. Ah, you don't know how bad the fan. There's just not enough time for Cal, and mm. so for that reason alone, I hope they don't bring him in. Right. Um, he works better when he's a character who feels at least disconnected to a degree that he has to, he has to decide things as if he is the one who everything falls on. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't need other people that are other Jedi. He can be like, Oh, they'll handle it. No, yeah. it's all up to him. That's, that's good. One of the endearing things about him is he grows. And I will say that, uh, you and did talk about back a year ago at, uh, when he was on Jimmy Kimmel, he talked about how there was this on May the 4th, he got to work with this actor who's a wonderful actor that he was really excited to work with, who um, uh, was not a previously announced actor in Star Wars. And we don't or not at least for Kenobi. So we don't know who that is. Uh, so but that implies that there is someone big stepping in, whether it's Qui-Gon, whether it's which I think he is stepping in, but. Or it could be, or it could be a one division. Okay, you know what? I don't think you, and McGregor is not Paul Bettany. He's not going to do that. But, but I wonder who that, who he's referring to with that. Uh, maybe he, maybe he was talking about the uh, the actor that played Cal Kestis, or maybe it's someone else, an original Jedi. I don't know. But there is, I think there is going to be another Jedi showing up because they're 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 heavily implying that. Hmm. I'll be curious to know. So we're th- we're halfway through. Let's. Um, I'm I'm curious. So 
maybe Trent, would you just kind of give us an overview of your ratings for parts one and two, and then we'll go around and do our rating for the third. Yeah, I, I listened to y'all's ratings for the first ones as well, and I, I do agree that they're high. The ratings are, are in a good, like mine, is, mine are also high for one and two. Oh, man, the first episode, I definitely want to give the first episode... It's a great. I feel like it's a great opener. I'm gonna give it a nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not shy about giving I, a ten to the second episode. I love the second one so much. I'm mm. not shy about giving it a ten. Uh, just I, I really? love. Yeah, I love the seedy underbelly. Like I'm a sucker for that. In Star yeah, Wars. no, I, I agree. So I like too. just just the and the flea thing was cool. Um, you know, I, I mentioned to Nathan about flea and Red Hot Chili Peppers having Alder online that I really like uh, the connection there. Uh, but yeah, seeing the CD underbelly there a little bit more, the lighting, the sort of cyberpunk look to it was just, <clears throat> mm, just that's right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm definitely going to give that one a 10, at least for now. This one, I'm going to give an eight. It's the lowest so far, but it's still, I feel like eight's a high score for me. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I, I spoiled that. I think we're supposed to wait on that rating. So, but No, I, you're good. You're okay. good. You're good. Um, Jonathan, save yours. I'll... Uh, This is one of those episodes where you don't know what to point to that you didn't like. It's got everything you should like. Yeah. Um, but I did not enjoy it as much as the others. And I don't know. It had things, so many things that I love. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go seven and a half. Oh, darn it. So, <laughs> so that's, that's what I'm going to go. Jonathan. Does that spoil you, sir? Yeah, that, now I have to go seven. I have to go seven point four nine. Uh, you know, Price is Right. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say seven and a half as well because I gave the first one like a nine and a nine and a half, and the second one like an eight and a half. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'd say seven and a half. I still really enjoyed it. I still have like like I have. I still have not had an episode of Star Wars. Uh, of the of the the TV shows that I've just been like oh, I can't stand this thing I haven't had that yet I've had episodes that I thought that oh, was fine but I haven't had ones that I actively disliked mm. so I'm still pretty happy mm. well I am excited for I think the payoff of this so much has been set up that this could literally turn around and I would right, totally yeah. view this episode like this episode could be like the Force Awakens. You right. could turn around and if the payoff had been there, it'd have been so much better. And it's still good, but on a rewatch I'm like, oh all this setup, but I know where it goes. It's a good setup, but man, mm. So this could be really elevated to me. Right. Um, rumors are because of the unprecedented this is the number one most viewed premiere Disney Plus has ever had, right? Kenobi yeah, I wouldn't say it was unprecedented, thing. but it was... Well, uh, it was their number one, which yeah, means yeah, it was. Very no popular. one has done it before. Uh, but anyway, that there's talk of season two. Do we want a season two? Would that free us up? Do we want... Or do we would just one off and just be done with it? Because too much of these characters and it kind of really endangers canon things being altered or spoiled uh, it's already in that territory personally i i don't want a second season because i don't want any cliffhangers i don't i want it to be wrapped up i can't wait gotcha. however long mm. Mm. Uh, i will counter argument and say more is almost always good uh and so i'll be happy to get more also because 
doing more keeps these actors in the limelight. And mm-hmm. it's so nice seeing Ewan so happy. Like, I'd rather them do a second season now when Ewan is riding high on Star Wars than to wait five years and he's kind of burned off. And then like, all right, we're bringing it back. Like, he's excited right now. Hayden's excited mm-hmm. right now. And Deborah Chow mm-hmm. is excited. Whether they bring her back as a director, I don't know. But I'm saying at least they're excited. If, if they're excited, keep them in. Keep them involved. Uh, uh, keep it going, or at least put them in another project. Throw mm-hmm. Kenobi in uh, Andor, or throw Hayden in something else. Like, keep them going at least. That's what I want. It doesn't I have to be a second season of Kenobi. I think you're I right. Think right. The best would be to follow Vader, to follow Hayden, and Kenobi is gone, does his own thing. His his art gets tied off by this, so that we don't quite in danger as much and we have vader hunting down other things doing other projects and maybe just maybe we can introduce some thrawn before rebels we could see him and vader in live action um which they we see him again later or we see you know younger tarkin brought back we see even even stuff before andor happens you know we see more of the more of the force side of things, like the relationship between the Empire, or sorry, the Emperor and Vader. That could be cool, too. So I would rather see that if they go on with more. Um, but anyway, I did see a great, great meme. Um, it was how uh, Kenobi has been burned in every episode, because in the first episode, Owen burns him, you know, with the line. And then Leia burns him in the second episode with the grandpa, maybe. And in this episode, Vader literally burns him. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, <laughs> Vader just get down there and burn. So anyway, that was I thought that was a funny meme. All right. Anything else to add, good Trent? Uh, nope. I'm just enjoying it, and thank you guys for having me. This is uh, this is my my this is my hundredth and first episode. Most people <clears throat> don't know this, but I'm actually here every episode. I just don't always talk. So. <laughs> <laughs> No, congratulations. Sometimes. They're actually congratulations on your hundredth episode. That's a really big milestone. No man. Thank you. Dude, that, I actually was so laughing because so one of your first episodes, I was actually present, and I because I you were talking about Fallen Order, and I never played it, so I was just here quiet. And Nathan kept trying to nudge me and be like, "Hey, Jonathan, what do you think about this?" Okay, he's not talking, and you just keep. T- <laughs> so that was that was appropriate um, because Jonathan, you you still haven't played it, but now that you're here. You're going to oh, be forced gosh. to play it. You're going to have to borrow <laughs> my copy of the game. I'll let you borrow, yeah. the, uh, borrow your Xbox One or something and play it because you will I have, love it. You will love it. I have already, since moving back, I have already played more video games this week than I have in the last like two years combined. <laughs> we, we had this awesome yeah, Mario Kart night, <laughs> four player, just, just uh, everybody just going chill crazy on each other. Fun. <laughs> Super fun. If uh, yeah, if anybody out there like wants to wants to join us, Trent, we need to get you. Uh, we'll do some online, and you can play with us. Oh yeah. my gosh, right? That'll be so much fun. Um, I think that's it for me. I am so thankful for 100 episodes. Really, 100 episodes. That doesn't seem like a lot, but we put so many time, so much time and thought into this that I feel like all of us are are staying in touch with each other as friends as a big part right. because of this and uh, just having people to share memes with and things that we love there's nothing better even right. if even if only one to two people listen to this out there but hopefully we'll 
which more, more more than that do listen. <clears throat> yeah, no, literally, I have students who are like, "Hey, we listen to your podcast," or relatives, <gasps> really, yeah, or relatives or uh, or old friends of the family who are like, "Don't you have a podcast?" Or people at church. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Yes, you should listen to it. I mean, only if you like Star Wars, though, because really, we, <laughs> right. we do not talk about other stuff occasionally, like Marvel, but, right, or a, or a, a, a political joke that we probably shouldn't make. But <laughs> 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 all right, Jonathan, right. wrap us up, sir. You can find us on Simplecast, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play through Google Podcasts. You can find us on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. You can find our Facebook page, Two Sons of Tatooine. Uh, please leave us a five-star review anywhere. You know, we'll, we'll take them in any of those places. <laughs> also, you can uh, find my YouTube channel, Jonathan Cohn. Talk about all things books, including Star Wars books. And you can also uh, find my book reviews my, for Star Trek at Roku Depot. But until next time, I'm Jonathan. And I am. Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro. And I'm Trent. And thank you for listening to another episode of Two...